Hello and welcome to another edition of the Mental Health Shelf podcast. My name is Jamie Skinner and in this podcast I invite guests from all different backgrounds to bring and discuss five different items or symbols which they believe have brought them joy, escape and uplift throughout their lives. These items then get put on their own mental health shelf which is something to look to when the world is getting a bit stressful for them. And these items can be absolutely anything the guest wants. Chopsticks, USB, jar of sand, Christopher Lee heavy metal album... Yes, those are things that actually exist. Yes, you should check them out. A fascinating point in that man's late career. However, I'm not sure it's going to be something that appears on the shelf of this month's guest, as I'm joined by Radio.co's head of solutions and broadcaster, Pete Helmore, who, when I invited him on this podcast, he said, yeah, I'll come on, but I'm not really an emotional person. And I do want to ask about that. I'm sure that'll come up during the conversation. But I can't say I expect people to be emotional when they come on this podcast. Obviously, it's happened once or twice in the very few episodes there have been so far. But at the end of the day, it's people talking about the things that make them happy, things that they like and, yes, have helped them along the way. Yes, that may lead down a certain path on occasion. But as I say, generally, it's people talking about the things that make them happy and have helped them along and the positives that they've brought. Now, obviously, I could be completely wrong there, or it could be something that's up for debate. I don't know. Maybe I should have thought about this more before actually launching the podcast or even just coming up with this intro. Anyway, enough from me. Let's jump into this month's podcast and see how it turns out, shall we? Here is the mental health shelf of Pete Helmore. It's wonderful to welcome to this month's edition of the Mental Health Shelf podcast, the executive director of Summer Valley FM, having been involved with the station since its formation, Radio Co's head of solutions, having earned that post after over 15 years working in tech support, advice and professional broadcasting. Pete Helmore, welcome. Welcome, Jamie. Uh, I feel amazing after you just said that. Uh, I am bigger and better than I first thought, so thank you. <laughs> it, it's quite a lot kind of working within that uh, one industry, though, isn't it? But you've clearly found your home in it. Yeah, I, uh, I've been in radio since I was 14. Uh, so, and whilst I'm not directly in radio now, I'm kind of in radio. I'm at a company with radio in the name anyway. <laughs> and uh, so, yeah, and I feel, yeah, I feel like it's a good place to be. I like radio. Um, there's lots of bad things about it, but many good things, and I'm quite comfortable in life. You, you say you started at 14 in radio, started through the school next door, which, from what I've heard and what you've told me in the past, that was a place where you weren't entirely interested in everything that was going on there. Mm-hmm. Was the radio station almost a place of calm or just somewhere where you could focus? Well, the funny thing about all of this is, is I only got involved in radio because I got kicked out of something I was meant to be doing. So I was meant to be doing some sort of, I don't know, photography, creativity works thing. And I just had no time for it. Couldn't be bothered. Uh, so me being me, you know, probably made a cheeky photo or something, I don't know, and got kicked out. Got made to do radio because that's the only thing no one would do. So it was like, I oh, will just make Pete do it. I then loved it. And then ever since then, have carried on doing it. And then, I, you know, I went on to run the school radio station. And yeah, that was a way to basically get out of doing things I didn't want to do. Uh, whilst doing something I did like to do, which is radio. Is there anything in particular about it that kind of caught your interest, or was it just the whole idea of radio in general? Uh, yeah, it's a good point. So I was quite shy as a kid. Um, so radio is one of those weird things. You know this from experience hmm. and being involved in radio for a long time. Radio is one of those weird things where you can hide from the world because you literally sit in a studio and no one can see you. Um, but you know people are listening, but you don't have to communicate with those people. And I think I quite like that. I think I quite like the, you know, the anonymity of doing radio, hiding behind you know, walls and doors. 
but also getting to express yourself in a way that you probably couldn't do in lots of other art forms, right? You know, it's. I think radio is very much like being a painter in a way. Um, you can get to be really creative. You can kind of get to do your own way. People will admire your art, your work, your radio, but they may never know who you are, which I love. Like, I do not want someone to know, oh, that's Pete from the radio. So I don't want anyone to know me. I just want someone to appreciate what I do. You said before we started, I, I don't like being seen in a slightly jokey way. Yeah. Does radio allow you to kind of just push that more authentic self without almost being judged by someone in that room in a way? Yeah, it does until you are on a stage in front of 3,000 people in yeah. Um <laughs> But other than that, yeah, I think radio allows you to kind of develop and be yourself in a way that no one else realises. You know, from being doing radio from when I was 14 and not wanting to talk on the radio to then talking on the radio to then running my own shows to leading like six hour long broadcasts where it's you you have to kind of lead it and so on to then running a radio station as we are now um I think radio yeah it gives you that chance to develop who you are develop your skill while still remaining unseen if you want to be you don't have to go to events you know, you don't have to stand on stage in front of 3,000 people. You can literally sit in the studio, develop. People will know you by your name. It doesn't mean they're ever going to see you in person. Mm. And, and I think there's a difference between knowing you're not going to be seen and, you know, so let's say TV, you know, guaranteed, you are going to be watched and someone is going to criticise you for something because that's what we do, especially in this country. We criticise everyone for something, right? We have to, seemingly. Where radio, well, one, they can criticise you because they're never going to see you, so I don't know who you are, so good luck criticising me. Uh, but two, you know, you sit behind a microphone and you think about the listener, you think about what you're doing radio for, but you don't expect or worry about, oh, when I go outside, is Karen going to see me? Um, and I think, that's a, I think that's a perfect thing for radio. Has it helped to grow your confidence outside of that environment, though? Oh, yeah, 100%. I was shy before I got into radio, you know, I was forced into radio, which I didn't want to do, which is hilarious because I know I won't mention who they are, but the teacher who forced me into radio did so as a punishment. That teacher only realised I've gone to have an amazing career because of her. Well done. A hundred percent. It's got, you know, I've gone on to host events, gone on to host workshops, uh, lead a team at work where I am now. I could never imagine leading a massive team with Americans and so on in. Um, and that's all from radio. You were forced into it, as you say, at the age of 14. It seems that that love developed very, very quickly because one year after you started the radio, one year after Summer Valley FM, you become the founder and one of the main members of a website you ran for four years uh, offering 24-7 tech support. Because you were, what, 15 when you were running that? Yeah, I did it for the money. My other half, who regularly tells me I have a problem with saying no to things and overcommitted. Right now I'm working three jobs and doing four flipping projects outside of this. Uh, I can't say no. So there was, I basically saw something online and thought, oh, there's an opportunity to do this. Uh, it was like this tech help thing. Did it, had a few people with me on it, like all volunteers, and just did that. Obviously I wasn't working 24 hours a day because that's impossible. Although I wish I could work that much. Uh, get to that later. And uh, yeah, so ran the tech thing uh, for a few years. Shut it down basically would have been nine, probably when I started to actually get a proper career and all started to go to college and like, started having things to do. Yeah, but I was never contempt with, and I, I still, am, still am now, with just doing one thing and finishing it like end of day. 
be about school, be about college, be about work. But I was never happy just to go, right, I'm done for the day and now I'm, my, now I'm chill. I finish work now and then I go, right, what else can I do? And that's what I did back then. That's what I did about website. And, and that was also in a time where things are very different from what they are now. Like there was not as many resources there are now. It's as self-help as it is now. It's like very limited back then. So people did need it. But yeah, and I found it fun. I found it fun helping people, which is weird because, you know, we famously for not liking that many people, but actually enjoy quite helping people. You've spent the last 10 years building up those skills, that knowledge of tech and offering, you know, advice and support. Those are your you know, roles. You are head of solutions, as I mentioned. Yeah. Does some of this come from simply enjoying problem solving or is it just liking working with the tech? Yeah, so in the early days, it was like in work. I wanted a job in radio, and that was my way into radio, right? Going through the support engineering way, because that's always a way in. Get a job in engineer, be an engineer, do that. And that then job expanded to do more like kind of on-site stuff. And I got to travel over the UK a lot, lovely places like Salisbury and Guildford and uh, Ellsbury lovely places and I got to travel a lot and actually did love life quite a lot um you know in covid for example my life was normal i traveled around still the whole of covid i did not lockdown did not affect me i actually really enjoyed myself because there wasn't many people around i was able to travel i was able to do my job and i quite had a, a nice time and then kind of later on it moved away from like so now it's not so much i don't really do much hands-on technical stuff now now it's literally, right, here's the problem, what's the solution? Be that whether it's a people problem, you know, or a user problem, or an experience problem, or a technical problem. So, right, okay, so this equipment doesn't do this, how can we do that with this? You know, where I am right now is enjoying finding solutions to problems, and sometimes finding problems people didn't know are problems, right? I love going through systems and going, right, how can we make this more efficient? Like, I'm all about efficiency. How can we be more efficient with this? Well, it works how it is, yeah, but if we do it this way, can it work in half the time? Yes. Okay, well, it's a problem then. We need to fix. And that's kind of what I'm... I'm obsessed with just making things better and just, yeah, fixing problems. I know a lot of people say this about just travelling and they go around the world, but with all the towns and places you've visited and all the stuff you've done, has that helped you, I guess, learn a bit more about yourself as well? Yeah, 100%, because... And we'll, you know, when we get to the items on the shelf talk about this but being on your own traveling especially you know, so for example i would never have wanted to go to a restaurant and sit on my own and have dinner and not feel embarrassed about it now i couldn't care less if i'm on my own i love being on my own because i love people watching i love like making up stories about people but also like you were i was forced into it because that was my job and you know unless you're gonna sit in a hotel room every night on your own you have to kind of go out so yeah 100 percent that kind of taught me not worry about it, but also taught me the fact that no one pretty much in life cares about what you're doing, right? So you sit in a restaurant on your own, you sit in, I don't know, a cafe or something. No one in there is judging what you're doing. I don't care who you are, what you're doing, what you look like. Pretty much no one's judging you because I'm not judging them and they're not judging you. And like the secret of it always, if you go to a restaurant on your own, you usually get treated better as well because waiters make a point about looking after you more because you're on your own. Um, and it's also that, yeah, it's getting over that line of, I'm on my own, that's cool. I'm happy on my own. I like my own company. I like being on my own. I just go on a holiday on my own. I like being on my own. And yet I wouldn't have done that 15 years ago. I would never afford to go on my own, something like that. 
Was that something that was easy to embrace or did it take a while for that to settle in? Yeah, I think... um, I don't really know. I don't think I noticed it happening. I think I just went from not being on my own to being on my own when I was travelling and having to like it and liking it. I think the fact that I had such a fun job helped because I I looked forward to travelling. I looked forward to... And I wasn't travelling. It wasn't holiday. This is work. These are long days at work. I'm not travelling to luxury places. Um, and I, I think I looked forward to that, going to work and then finishing work for the day and going out eating on your own was a, a necessary rather than a luxury, right? And when you do that a couple of times, you go, actually, this is quite fun. So, yeah, I don't think it was something I had to force myself into in terms of... Like, I was worried about it. It just happened overnight. And then I went, oh, wow. There's actually, literally, this is really easy and really nice. Why do not more people have time on their own and focus on themselves rather than constantly worried about what other people are doing? Before we get onto your shelf, when I asked you if you'd be on this podcast, you said, yes, but you're not really an emotional person. And absolutely, (laughs) you know, I don't expect people to be emotional on this podcast, but... Is this just in general or more in terms of just expressing and talking about things? Yeah, so that was based on a good friend of mine, Seb, being on your podcast, which I listened to. So this is, okay, so this is a good example. I listened to that podcast when I was on my own on a flight to Prague for work, um, where I was completely on my own the whole day. I had had to catch two different flights. Uh, It was a flipping nightmare because of traffic control issues. I'm stuck in Bristol Airport for hours. And then on a plane to Switzerland... Um, where I've never been on my own. I've never done a. Uh, I've never done a connecting flight on my own. I've never done it through an airport where, thanks to Brexit, you have to go through multiple layers. And I was listening to your podcast, and I was you know, for Seb especially, which was a really good episode. I think it was really nice to hear, like someone you know so well, but also hear stuff you didn't know. Um, and I thought, okay, well, yeah, I'll do it, but I'm not emotional like Seb. Do I choose not to be emotional? Probably. You know, I probably am emotional to, behind the scenes, but I choose not to be. I choose not to wear my, like, heart on my... I think it's... A, actually, I think it's a... Yeah, I can get affected quite easily by people. You know, uh, there'll be people who say things or do things which really get get to me, be it angry or upset. But I'm not going to deal with that publicly. I deal with that privately. And I've always been like that. I think it's maybe... Um, I'm quite a bit older than you, and I think that might be something in my age growing up. You're not uh, taught to deal with your emotions, right? I think nowadays it's much more open to actually you should be open about what you're feeling. I think when I grew up, you shouldn't, you know, not even you shouldn't be, but you weren't, right? It wasn't encouraged. Um, And that's probably where we are now. And actually, yeah, I'm quite happy with keeping my emotions in check and dealing with life the way I do. Be that going for a walk somewhere, going for a drive somewhere, and just dealing with the way I do. I don't need to express myself to other people. Was it easy? You say that you kind of grew up in this era where you weren't talking about mm. your emotions. It wasn't something that was talked about. Was it easy then to find these outlets where to deal with stress and anger and just when you're feeling upset? Was it easy to find these? I don't know. I didn't remember. I think it's one of those things you just do. I don't think you kind of... Not you, as in the royal you, right? Not you or me. I, I don't think it's something I went out looking for, you know, ways to express emotions or something. I think it's just something I naturally did. 
be that going to Cornwall and walking on a beach for an hour just to kind of get away from life for a bit. Be about work, you know. And this is kind of comes back to the issue of doing what I do for a job, especially in the old days, is when you deal with people's problems all day long, every day, it is enough on you. I know it's something technical problems, but literally you're the person someone rings when they're annoyed, when they're angry, when someone's not working. It is quite heavy on you to always be the problem guy. So, yeah, sometimes you need to kind of, and this is what I did, like, this is why I'd go away on my own, away from everything, and literally just sit on a beach for an hour in Cornwall, eat an overpriced ice cream, and just think like, ah, oh, chill. And then tomorrow I'll go back to loving, dealing with issues again. It, it strikes me that that's something very different to the job role. The job role is, as you say, a lot of people coming to you with their problems. You're sitting in front of stuff, trying to work out what's going on and maybe sat in an office or different rooms surrounded by things or a laptop. And this is sat outside in the open, almost the complete opposite. Does, is that part of what helps? Yeah, I think so. And I think my job now, um, where I'm not dealing with like, you know, I choose what I deal with. It's my department. I don't have to deal with that stuff if I don't want to do it. I do it because I want to. And I choose the team I have. They're my team. And I surround myself with people I like. And there's a reason for that. And I think now having that team, having the job, lets me go, right, okay, well, I want to do this. And I'm happy with this. I'm also much better at, whilst I work a million different things I stop work at a certain time. I finish work. You know, I'm very good now. Going, right, that's the end of my work day. Doesn't mean I won't work on another project outside of work. But I think I'm very now way more like the, the line between work and play, as it were, is way more clear that this is my job. This is when I finish my job. This is what I'm paid to do. This isn't what I'm paid to do. End. And that's helped a lot. And actually, you know, COVID kind of did that as well because when I, I started traveling, and being my own person with work, I got to manage my own time quite well. I went, oh, actually, yeah, okay. So if I finish work properly on time and I can do something I enjoy or maybe go into radio or something, that makes me feel better because I can go, I actually really enjoy this. I'm not doing it because I have to do it. Hmm. Let's talk about the other things that have helped. So, uh, let's get on to your mental health shelf. The things that you look to that bring you joy, escape and uh, some of that uplift is there anything that links to radio on your shelf? Yes, there is. So when I was, I don't know, a kid, I used to listen to radio a lot. I would fall asleep to it. Um, and sometimes I could never sleep. So like radio was that thing what kept me company. But because I was a bit of a, a geek, and this is like the hilarious thing. I got into radio because I had to get into radio. I didn't choose it. But yet you look at my life five years before that, I was in my bedroom with a radio player with like with a tape recorder on it. You're probably too young to know what I is. I'm aware of cassette. There we go, cassette. That's it, a cassette. And uh, I used to record myself between the songs. <laughs> so I would record the radio, play it back, and then as it got to the talking, I would talk and then play the music. I would love to find this stuff, by the way. And I'd make it and then I'd give it to my mum to listen to like in the car or uh, the kitchen. I don't know if she ever did, but anyway... <laughs> And uh, I'd make my own little radio shows, did that for a few years, and then stopped and then kind of didn't do anything and then got back into radio. So it's weird that before radio, I was doing radio as a kid, and it was like helping me that, you know, that when you can't sleep and using it like that. And then, you know, as I got older, I used also radio as a way to get away from reality, right? So, you know, after work, I would do radio. 
beyond radio, sometimes more like friends, sometimes without friends. And even now, radio is still one of the things that I don't have to do this. I don't need to do this. It doesn't bring me anything to my life apart from joy, right? You know, outside of work, there's this radio stuff which I'm doing at the moment, which is taking like all my spare time. And it's stressing me out. But I do it because I want to do it. And because it's like radio for me is a really nice outlet just to use. Um, and I think as I'm older, it's also that I want to give other people the chance I had as I was younger in radio and think radio is way more important than people realise. It's not just sitting in a radio studio playing ABBA or Take That. It's just expressing yourself, teaching yourself, building confidence in yourself and being able to now see, okay, well, these 10 people who I knew five years ago have now all got jobs or who are now all going to London and doing really independent things on their own who they would never have done before, probably down to radio helping them. That's great. So yeah, item one, radio with cassette player. Is there part of you that when you're you know going to delve into radio in an evening and you say you're working on it because it also brings you joy despite all the stress it throws at yeah. you, is there part of you that's almost paying back to it part of me paying back yeah maybe paying back but also part of me i guess radio has given me a really good opportunity in life um and the the whole radio medium has given me a really good opportunity and a really comfortable place in life so yeah maybe it's partly like as my thanks but also it's still that secret you know that young excitement oh i get to do this you know i've just worked on a project which is about to go live and I'm like, that's my project. I've done it all on my own. And I'm like, actually, I'm really proud of that. So, and I don't think there's anything wrong with however old you are, getting excited about that was what I did. And I'm really proud of it. Let's quickly go to that young you with the cassette recorder. What was the kind of stuff that you were listening to around then? Was it anything that continues to influence you now? No. It was just the radio. So, so, so just whatever radio that yeah, was? Just whatever radio. Radio okay. 1, Radio 2. It would have been Radio 1 or Radio 2. Probably yeah. Radio 1, in fairness, because it's like, you know, I grew up listening to people like Chris Moyles. And music, for me, means nothing, right? So if sometimes I used to listen back to the radio, to people like Chris Moyles, and I would just skip all the music, because I don't want to hear it all, because it's just the same old rubbish. Um, you know, if I'm driving and um, at nighttime driving, I might listen to like an indie station, indie playlist. When I sat in Prague on my own at the airport for four and a half hours, I was listening to, um, yeah, like an indie rock playlist just because it's like soothing and it doesn't pop, it really irritates me. But if I had to go without music, then cool, I don't care. Music literally means nothing. It's just something to keep my brain occupied whilst I'm not doing anything. You know, I'm sat in an airport. I can't work. Well, I'm doing stuff on my phone. I can't actively do stuff. I'm tired, so I need to stay awake. So I'm just listening to music to keep my brain. If you ask me in 10 minutes' time, what song would you listen to? I'm like, I have no idea. It's, and when I drive, you know, when, I, when, I'm, um, when me and my other half drive, we'll say stuff and we'll talk about the radio and it'll be like, oh, we just listen to that song. And I'm like, did we? Literally, it goes in one ear. And out of the other, I have no memory of what I've just heard. Yeah, if you ask me what a presenter said, I know exactly what they said. Is it something to do with the connection with the presenter, the way that they form a bond with the listener, maybe some of the features that they do? I think in the old days, it 100% was that. Now, I think I'm just judging people. 
and not in a nasty way. I'm just thinking, oh, I could have done that, or oh, that's an interesting way to do it, or oh, why have they done that? Oh, why why is it that way? Um, I don't think it's a personal bond to the listener, a presenter. I think I'd be like, with whoever's on the radio at that point, I think I'm judging it and I'm analysing it, right? Yeah, I'm just analysing what they're doing. On the uh, matter of your younger you, you said there it may have been something to do with a bond from the presenters and yeah. what they were saying. Was there anything in particular you latched on to? Or was it, again, just anything a presenter was doing? No, I think it was just it's something to take my mind off life. Mm. Um, you know, I, I did not have a bad life in any way, shape or form. But everyone has things they got to think about and deal yeah. with. And I think I was just you know, linked into that presenter, what they're dealing with at the time. It gives you a funny moment. And sometimes, you know, even to this day, sometimes I do like sitting in the evening watching 10 minutes of YouTube of like, you know, the other day I was watching a lorry reverse for five minutes. I don't... <laughs> I know. I don't even know why. I was watching a lorry do like multiple turns in America. Of course it was America. Big lorry. Massive lorry, actually, in, in an airport car park. But it took my mind off life for five minutes whilst I watched this lorry. Very quickly, on the point of childhood uh, listening to those presenters, as you've said, it is that kind of escape and away from what's going on in your life, even if it wasn't necessarily anything bad going on in your life at yeah, those yeah. points. Was there something about the familiarity, though, of those voices, a friendly voice that you recognise in those moments? Because I value radio, I should say yes, because that's the whole point of radio. Yeah. Is about being a connection with a listener and a regular person. Reality is I probably couldn't have cared less who it was at the time. I, I linked to the people I did, like the people like Chris Moyles and Scott Mills and so on, because they were the people doing it. Yeah. And they were the people I found at the time. Was it because of them? No. Do I still listen to them? Yeah, occasionally. So I guess in a way they've got that connection with me, yeah. but I didn't actively set out to build that. But maybe they built it because you did build that connection if it was someone else you may not have yeah maybe perhaps. they're yeah bloody good at what they do um and it's various people on the radio who are very good at what they do and you know, people like terry wogan who built that connection with people and yeah maybe subtly they built it without me even thinking about it but i didn't actively go looking for it yeah. and actively link to those people but maybe they did yeah maybe i i don't think it's something that you do go and this is my personal opinion at least with some presenters, it's not something you actively go looking for. It's something that you find. Yeah, 100%. Let's move on to item number two, shall we? Yeah, so before the podcast, I joked about one of my items was killing the planet. Now, um, in case Greta Thunberg's listening, I am sorry about this, but my car is item number two. And it is an eco car, so it's not killing the planet as much. But the reason I say this is because... Like part of you know what what we've talked about already is I love traveling. I like um, you know traveling for work, and I did a lot of traveling on my own. And I really liked it. I went on so holidays on my own. You know places like Cornwall. I drove, you know, for example, sometimes in Cornwall, I used to literally just drive around Cornwall looking for random beaches, which like were no one on because I don't like people. And I really enjoyed that. You know, I looked to ways I could avoid paying car parking charges because I don't agree with it. And uh, and I enjoyed that. And then even when I've had like stressful days, bad days, you know, I was working away once and found out my granddad had passed away and then I had to drive home. And that drive for me was like the whole two, three hours of where you physically can't escape, but mentally you can escape a little bit. You're thinking about life, but you're not thinking about life. It's like, you know, 50% on the road, 50% in your head. 
And I think that's where like driving for me was one of those really true. No one can stop you doing what you're doing. Well, I mean, physically they could, but mentally they don't. And if you're on your own, you're literally do do what you want. Listen to your own music. If you want to listen to music, listen to a podcast, listen to something. I sometimes just drive with absolute silence because I just like quiet. I like driving. Um, I'm also just a passionate driver. Saying that, you know, as I get older, I mean, I am only in my 30s, but as I get older, like long journeys now are just not for me. I'm over long journeys, but I still enjoy a journey. So I'm driving to Scotland in a couple of weeks. So it's a long journey. And whilst I'm like, oh, you know, I do not want to do this journey, I will still enjoy it. And I will still, when I'm done, I'm like, yeah. Um, I also think it's a sense of achievement, right? If you drive a thousand miles in one piece, like, well done, because percentage wise, there's a percent that you're bound to do it something wrong and you didn't. So you've achieved something. Well done. 10 points. Uh, so yeah, that's my second thing. I'm going to put the card on one side just for one moment because I have wanted to ask this for some time. You say you don't like people. Yes. How much of that is the case of you don't like people? Is it more you don't like crowds or is it genuinely you find it difficult to get on with people? No, I, I think part of that is just me being cynical and, and, and trying to be funny. Yeah. I think uh, I like some people. I think it's just a thing with, you know, I did a festival the other week with a radio station and one of our Summer Valley presenters said to me, like, you just don't like people, do you? I'm like, no, I don't. Um, I don't want to talk to... I mean, what it is, and this is going to sound really, really bad, I do not want to waste my time or my headspace dealing with people who don't mean anything to me. Like, I don't want to spend time with people who mean absolutely nothing to me and who bring nothing to my life. Because I'm really busy in life. Uh, I'd rather just focus on people who I want to spend time with. You know, that's kind of like that whole, I choose my friend base very carefully because I would much rather have a small selection of friends who I can spend hours with chatting about rather than a hundred friends who I want to go down to Weatherspoons and get a drink with. It's that whole example of I'd much rather a smaller friend base, people, people I actually care about, Rather than just all these people who neither of us fully care about each other. We're just friends because you feel like you should be. You know in school when you make friends because you feel like, oh, they're in my year. I should just be friends with them. I ain't got time for that. And I left school and I speak to two people from school. I just have time for none of those people in my life. And it's like, there's nothing against them. It's just they don't interest me. And they're not doing anything that interests me. Like, cool. Well done you. You've got five kids when you're 19. Cool. Well done. It doesn't interest me. So yeah, I don't not like people. I just don't really have time for people. As bad as that sounds. And I know it sounds bad, but life. Do you worry about how people perceive you? No. Okay. Couldn't care. I think I did. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I don't care now. Because if you don't like me, you don't like me. Like, I don't care. If you don't like me, I probably don't like you. Because if... This sounds really bad again. But if I did like you, I would go out my way to be friends with you. And to make you like me. And if you don't like that, then whoopee-doo, focus on your own life. You know, it sounds more deep than it really is. Because everything in life can be way more deep than you think it is. I just don't care really what people think. You either like me or you don't. If I value you and I respect you, then I will do my utmost to make you like me. And if then you don't like me, that might affect me because I want you to like me. However, most likely, I probably wouldn't be trying to get someone 
to like me if I felt like I wouldn't. Do you know what I mean? Like, there's this, we all have types of people we're friends with, right? There's always a type of person you hang out with. Be that, like, where it's someone, you know, as an example, there might be, I'm just using you as an example, but it might be someone like you who's into one thing, and then there might be someone completely different who's way different from you, and I get on with you both exactly the same and like you both to the same, great. But then there's that, there's that weird middle ground in the middle where someone just has no interest in what I do, I've got no interest in what they do, and there's no mutual respect. I'm never going to be annoyed if they don't value me or like me. And I would hope they wouldn't care that I don't like them either because it's like, don't waste your life worrying about what other people think. I've told you this a million times. Don't worry about what other people think. It doesn't matter. Because if it does matter, you'd probably change it. On the car front, you were talking beforehand about, you know, work that you need to do. Yes. on your car at the moment oh, to God. fix the aircon in it or something. Yeah, yeah, very, very you, important. You seem to like to, you know, work on it yourself yeah. as well. Is, is that just a personal point or is it another point of you like working with these things? No, it's because I'm tight with money and I don't like paying people to do things I could do. The other thing is I always delay these things because it's not what I want to do, right? I'm working on a project at the moment and I'm enjoying doing that. My car is the bottom of my list and it needs to be done. I can't be bothered to do it because it's going to take an hour of my time to do. But could I take it to a workshop and pay someone 100 quid to do it? Yes. I don't want to pay anyone any money. And it's, that's the whole reason. I, I don't want to pay anyone because I know I can do it myself. And it's failure if you pay someone money. But I do it because I need to do it, not because I enjoy it. I do not enjoy it at all. But it allows you to then, you know, escape out into the world and yeah. go, go places. Yeah, it allows me to stay cool in some weather. And it also allows well, the aircon, yeah. yeah, and it also allows me to save a hundred pounds. And everything in my car, everything not in my car, but everything in life is about money, right? Not everything, but I'm very money orientated. And where I can, that's a bad thing. You should not be like that, but I am. Uh, and where I can save money by doing something I can do myself, that I'm going to. If I drive another hour, I can save two hundred pounds on a hotel. I'm hundred percent going to do that because it's not, it doesn't affect me. Why would I not? Some people are like, you, you're, you're mad. And I'm like, yeah, but it saves money. And they're like, but money, you know, money doesn't buy you happiness. I'm like, no, it doesn't. But I think it's that self-thinking of like, okay, well, but the more you have, the better you've done in life. Which I don't agree with, by the way. But yeah, I follow it. I don't agree with money being important, but I actually stick by it. It's weird, isn't it? I don't think, I don't think it's right. I think people who are obsessed money have issues and able to deal with them saying that though i like to know i've done well i like to know i work hard and i like to know i've got money is that your definition of knowing how you've done how do you how do you know you've succeeded in something and achieved something yeah it's a good question i think i grew up around a family where money was um not important but i grew up in a nice life a comfortable life typical you know mum, dad go to work buy house do well, have kids, done. Went to school, everyone's like that. And I think now, where we look in, like, the world we live in right now, where, like, literally even, you know, a pint of milk costs a tenner, for example. Um, I know it doesn't. I'm just using that as an example. I'm not that out of touch. Even um, where money's so important, I think having money is a way of doing well, but also being happy, right? So... I want to buy a house because, in my mind, you should buy a house. It's 
what your men are do. It's what we, you go to work, you buy a house. Do I agree with it? No. Am I going to do it? Yes, because I feel like you should do it. My dad did it. That's my mum did it. Blah, 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 blah. Nowadays, when I know I've done well at work, it's either because I've been told I've done well or I've been given something. On the other hand, I don't need praise to be happy with what I'm doing. I'm very happy just to crack on with what I do. And if I'm not being told I haven't done well, then in my mind, yeah, I'm doing good at what I'm doing. If no one's saying to me, can you do this? Then I'm doing what I'm doing well. And it's the trust of just being left alone. You know, you mentioned at the start of this podcast about being an exec director of Summer Valley. Right now, I'm pretty much running the radio station and not one person has questioned what we're doing right now. So I know I'm doing well. Shall we move on to item number three? Yes, we shall, Jamie. Um, <laughs> item number three is, and you can't put this on a shelf, but... Someone, I mean, you've already put a car on your shelf. It's a good point. Um, has anyone ever put a location on their shelf? Someone's put a pub on the shelf. Is that a Dom? Yes. Okay. So <laughs> I, um, no, I'm going to put Cornwall okay. on the shelf because Cornwall somewhere I used to go as a kid. Someone has put like a jar of the Cornish Sea or like beach and all that nice. before. That's really nice. Actually. To symbolise it. Yeah, that's nice. Um, I used to go to Cornwall as a kid with my, my family when I was younger and then when I first was able to drive, the first place I drove to, long distance, was Cornwall. And then proceeded to go every weekend, similarly, for the whole year. And um, I was on my own, and I was just going, enjoying myself, staying in nice hotels, um, learning about, oh, actually, I do like a spa, uh, learning that I do like swim, and I do like the finer things in life, and kind of doing that level of things. But also, the life in Cornwall is very different from the life here. Everything's so much slower and more chilled that I love my life when I'm in Cornwall. Would I move there yet? No, because I'm not ready to be that slow in life. But 100% one day, I'm living in Cornwall, I'm retiring, I've got a dog, I'm living by the beach, I'm just chilling out. So that is my other item on the shelf. You say that you've added kind of you know you've learned to enjoy the finer things in life like the occasional trip to a spa when you're in cornwall is there also something a little bit nostalgic though when you visit because of those childhood visits maybe a little bit um i don't fully remember them that well so it's weird so i have a very good memory i remember things from when i was like four years old i remember conversations i remember phrases i remember uh situations down to the t what I don't remember is stuff I don't value at the time. So I don't. I remember as a kid going to Cornwall. I remember staying in this haunted house where there was a picture of a, a dead soldier. It wasn't a picture of a dead man. It was a picture of a soldier who has died in a cupboard downstairs. And it was a pair of slippers. And I always thought it was his slippers. I don't think it was. I think it was the owner's. And um, it was opposite a beach. And we used to take my dog on the beach, even if you weren't allowed to take your dog on the beach. I remember things like that. Do I go to Cornwall because of that? No. I don't even know where in Cornwall that was. However, the last time I went to Cornwall on my own was my first time going to Cornwall since COVID. Um, I went for a friend's wedding who I haven't seen in years. And it was like the first time I've seen them in years. Really enjoyed it. We're nervous about it because it's like, once again, I don't like people, right? And these are, I know two people out of a hundred people here. And most of these people don't do anything I want don't, to, I don't care about because I'm never going to see these people again. But, so wait, you, you were ner- why were you nervous? Well, because oh. I just don't want to, like, I have to talk to these people. You can't understand and not talk to them, that's rude. I do care about if people think I'm being rude, 
in that situation okay. no, because that. it's my friend's weddings yeah. and I respect those two. Mm. But, uh, and actually I loved it. I had a really good time and I was like, okay, I should. And actually met so many really nice people. And then the next day, because I had another day on my own, I thought, oh, I know what I'll do. I'll go to the place I used to always go in Cornwall, St. Austell, which is not the nicest of places in Cornwall, but I had like a, you know, nice place. I used to always go there and on the beach, went to this burger place and I sat outside and I did have a moment of like kind of reflection then thinking three years ago, I was sat here with the other half enjoying life in the sun. Now I'm on my own. <laughs> I'm not single. It's fine. Still together. But um, it was just a kind of like remembering the past. And then I just went and sat on the beach for a couple of hours um, then got wound about how much car parking was, but you know, <laughs> went back to me. Oh, how much? Uh, why do they not give change? Why is it an odd number? Uh, but yeah, and that was kind of reflective. And then I went to the hotel I stayed at, and like literally spent the entire afternoon, evening, just in a hot tub chilling, watching the ocean, and just like listening to some music. But really, just like kind of catching up on life, as it were, and just like breathing for a while. It's important to breathe. Yeah, then I reflected. Then I kind of thought back about, I remember coming to Cornwall every weekend. I remember that. It was great. But I'm not in that place anymore, and that's not what I do anymore. Since then, have you taken more moments to yourself, or just more moments in a peaceful environment? No. I ain't got time. And you could argue you could make time. I could make time, but right now it's not a priority. Do you list things at all in terms of what you're meant to be doing? Do you schedule things? No. Because I will like, you know, I like diagrams, right? I diagram in my head hmm. what things, what needs to be done in order, you know, what deadline is what and what do I enjoy more? And I usually do the stuff I enjoy more first and then I'm like, oh, God, I better go do that now. Um, I'm not one of these people who make lists for anything. Um, I just I ain't got time to make a list or to deal with it. Um, I also think... <laughs> If I make a list, I'm probably going to spend so much time making the list work automatically that I've just wasted time because I don't want to make just a boring list. I go, I'll make a smart list. Um, let's make it, make my let's make a noise when I've done it right. But yes, maybe virtually in my head, but not written down. I'm not one of, and I don't write. I literally haven't used a pen in years. I make a point about that. I don't, you know, I was done with it. Does it then making some more list or schedule? Does it just add to stress really for you? Yeah, I don't need it. I don't need stuff to be written down to tell me what I need to do. I just get on and do it, and I and I just remember it. And if I don't remember it, it probably means I don't really think much of it anyway. So what we do on the point of Cornwall? I know you've said that life there is much slower compared to anywhere else for you. Is there anything else about it personally that sticks out for you? I think well, I've got friends in Cornwall, so that helps. I think Cornwall also allowed me when I was younger to be me in terms of like life choices and things like that. Um, no one knew me there, you know, when I didn't work there. But when they don't know you, it's like, oh, no one knows me. I do what I want here. So, yeah, I think there's that level of like Cornwall was my local escape to place. I'm just going when I wanted to be someone else or me. Um, and, yeah, it's one of those places where... It could be any place in the UK or the world. It just happened to be Cornwall was the first place I chose, mm. and it stayed and it stayed at Cornwall. The way you speak about it, it kind of has one or two parallels with the way that you spoke about radio. But when you were saying about you could 
maybe show a bit more of you when you were going as a child to Cornwall? Were you hiding yourself elsewhere? No, I just think... And I wasn't as a child, were we? So as a child, I was just, as a child. Okay, yeah. I was just peeing. But when I was older, maybe I was being more myself in Cornwall, maybe expressing... I was probably just being more open with people and more me than I was maybe back here. Hmm. Uh, but I don't think that was a conscious decision at the time. I think it has happened. Okay. Uh, let's move on to item number four, I believe it is. Item number four. Now, this is... Um, <laughs> to, so I've got two items left. There's a fun one and there's quite a weird one. What do you want first? Let's start with the fun one because I'm just intrigued by the weird one. <laughs> Actually, it's not fun. Fun's the wrong word. Um, one of my items is a phone, right? Okay. Now, most people in life, me included, think phones are terrible for your mental health. Because all you do is de- death scroll online and think how much badder or how much worse is my life than someone else's. Because their life looks amazing and mine doesn't. However, one, it helps that I don't care about anyone else in terms of like people I don't know. Oh, cool, they're on holiday. What'd we do? I could do that if I wanted to. I don't want to, so I'm not there. I could go to Florida tomorrow, but I'm not. Um, but it also, for me, phone is another way to escape that whole when life's a bit like crazy or you're working on, like, a million projects, sometimes I'll sit in bed and I go on TikTok for 10 minutes and just watch endless rubbish, like Laurie's reversing. And um, it's just a way to escape the world. Um, It's also, you know, that thing you carry around in your pocket, it's got years of memories on it. So if I was at a time where I was down, I can look at photos. I don't really do that, but I could. Or, like, if I'm stuck in an airport, I can do my work, which is, like, my passion. I can listen to music. I can do TikTok. I can do everything. So for me... Whilst I appreciate technology can literally destroy mental health, for me, I think at the moment, I've got the right level of, I know when I don't need my phone, but right now, I like having it with me. Are you able to kind of monitor what you're seeing and what you're looking at and when? Yeah, although I do notice sometimes I wake up and straight away on my phone and I know I woke up this morning and went on my phone. I don't know why I looked at because it was just pointless like TikTok. I don't know why I did it. I just did. Um, so it's like self-control isn't there. If I needed to stop it, this sounds like an addiction, but if I needed to stop using it, I could. I just choose not to. I choose just to let that 10 minutes of my brain be empty of just random rubbish before I go, right, oh, God, I've got so much work I need to do. You say that you, you know, death scroll, as you've put it, yeah. and you look at all the bad things that are happening as with people, when you say that you don't care, are you able to just brush off bad news and stuff like that when you see it? Yeah, I do brush off bad news, but I like to know it. Yeah. So, you know, I sometimes get asked by the other half, why are you, why do you care? I don't care, but I want to know what's going on in the world. Do I care enough? I worry about it. No. Um, it doesn't make me worried that we're, you know, uh, impending doom. But I want to know that doom's around the corner. There's so much bad stuff in life, right, which we see online and so on. I want to know about that bad stuff. Is it going to change what I do today? No. But will it make me grateful that my life isn't like that? Probably. You know, am I grateful that I live in a country which isn't at war? Yes. Am I grateful that I work from home and I have a really nice job and nice family and, and nice relationships? Yes. Do I feel bad for people facing that? Yes. Am I going to change what I do? 
no, because it's not affecting me right now. Is that something you think about in those moments when you're scrolling? No, I think it's conscious back of mind thinking. Okay. I'm just scrolling and I might read a news article, which is really bad, think about it there and then, and then I moved on and I'm not, I'm done with it. I'm not going to think about it anymore. When it comes to you scrolling through something like TikTok or looking at YouTube, does the algorithm in that sense also help for you when it comes to stuff that you're watching, like Molly's yeah. reversing? Yeah, the algorithm has worked me out very well. And I, I'm very happy with this. I trust technology. I like technology. And I like the fact it knows what I want in life, and which is fun, little clear, sometimes documentary type stuff, sometimes Laurie's reversing, sometimes really interesting stuff, you know, knowing that... A, a bank vault is made of like a hundred layers of steel or something. I like to know that. I don't need to know that. It's one of those useless. I'd be great at pub quiz because I know all these useless facts. Um, so the algorithm knowing, right, he's a geek and he likes lorries reversing. Let's show him that. I like how the algorithm's from the Wurzels. Yeah, well, <laughs> I mean, the Wurzels, they should be on my shelf really, but they're not, sadly. Oh. Yeah, I just, and I trust technology. And I, I tried using TikTok, for example, I made a fake account with none of my real names, none of my real details, no real number. I didn't ever like anything. I didn't favor anything. I didn't do anything because I tried to break the algorithm and it didn't work. And after probably two weeks of using it, it was able to quickly recommend what I want. And I like that. I like that I tried to break it with my kind of my in solutions, right? You have to make problems to fix problems. And I tried to make a problem for them to fix and they were able to fix it. And I like that. And now I just let it do what it does. So does some of this come from your tech background and being interested in the way that things work? Yeah, tech, being technical, being nosy, uh, and also just being like inquisitive to go, oh, that's interesting. How did it do that? Oh, I might go learn that. I might go look at, you know, sometimes I'm on a website and it does something clever. I'm like, oh, and I look at the code just to see why it's done that. Do I need to know? No. But do I want to know? Yeah. Has it changed anything? No. Is it going to change what I do? No, because I'll still do it my own way. But I just like to know. And maybe that goes back to the radio days of being like, oh, that's a cool way of doing it. Why are they doing it that way? Oh, wow, that's cool. Shall we go to your final item? The weird one, as you said it. Yeah, so the weird one, and you know me quite well, Jamie. You know I've got a bit of an obsession with penguins. So penguins are on my list, right? Multiple penguins. Uh, One penguin in particular, Sissel. He's dead now. Rest in peace. It's not a joke. He is dead. He lived in Birmingham, but he died of old age. But he got to like 45. <laughs> it's just funny, but it's not funny. He's like one of the oldest penguins in captivity. And um, anyway. Did you did you have a sponsorship for him? No, I didn't. But I did feed him to a couple of times. Okay. So I knew him personally. He bit me on the leg once. Amazing. So um, and this is all true. It sounds like a joke, but it's not. And um, this comes from penguins because one day I fell asleep. Like, I was led in bed, fell asleep in the daytime with uh, the other half. I woke up and said, how many penguins do you reckon are on a beach right now? And they're like, what? What do you mean, how many penguins? I'm like, how many penguins are on a beach? And they're like, why are you asking about penguins? I was, like, oh, no, I was just dreaming about it. Now, I have really vivid dreams, and I remember all of my dreams as well. So like, I can tell you pretty much every single dream I have, what happened um usually my dreams are more real life you know i'm dreaming about a plane crashing i'm dreaming about a computer dying in a rat's room i'm dreaming about many things don't dig into that jamie 
And uh, I'm dreaming about many things, but this time I was dreaming about penguins on a beach and polar bears. And ever since then, I kind of got into that mindset of thinking about penguins. We then like had penguins as kind of our thing. You know, we went to see penguins. I've seen every single penguin you can see in the UK. True story. I've seen every type of penguin you can see in the UK, should I say. I fed penguins. And it's been a thing we do together uh, over, you know, seven years of being together. Penguins have been that kind of like the the thing we both like. And for me, you know, I've got, um, I, I bought a, uh, like a penguin sponsorship thing and you can like track a penguin so like on my phone I track a penguin and is um, I mean watching where he's going and like wondering oh he's not only got a few days I'm predicting how long it's going to take him to get back home Okay, he's in uh, where is he at the moment I think he's in me his name's Max or Maxor should I say but like Sivera I'm showing you this is very visual but like I can see where he's been swimming and so on um, in the sea anyway so, and I, I track him, and I like to think, oh, I wonder how he's doing in life. And I think penguins have quite an interesting life. But they always have quite a sad life, because, you know, when they're younger, they split up from their parents, and they never see them again. That's just life. So I think it's quite a sad life. But it's one of those weird things where I kind of often in my spare time think about penguins. I enjoy them. I enjoy seeing them. I also often think, I wonder what they're thinking about. I like to know what people are thinking about. I'm really, like... I should have studied some sort of like uh, psychology or something because I love to know what people are thinking about. I like to like, you know, analyze people's brains. But the reason penguins are on my list, as random as it sounds, is because it's brought so many adventures to me, to my life, to my me, my relationship, but also has helped in times of like, not sadness, but times where you just think about other things and like distract yourself thinking about a penguin rather than thinking about oh i've got this to deal with when i'm home it sounds a little bit like an encapsulation of all the stuff you've talked about just before yeah maybe and maybe that's what it is right and it's um i'm analyzing a penguin and wondering oh how can it do that how can they do that they're very clever as well and you know there's no one penguin in mind apart from matt sissel rest in peace uh yeah and it's um i don't know man there's no really other animal apart from like a dog there's no really other animal I link myself to. So that's why it's, I know it's weird. Um, and penguins shouldn't be on a shelf, by the way, Jamie. So don't put him on your shelf. We can put a little model penguin. We can put a model. We can put a cuddly toy penguin, but yeah. I'd rather have it. But yeah, no, we can. Um, but it's on your shelf. It's on, oh, yeah, it's a good point. So I can cuddle it. Anyway, there you go. So uh, yeah, I think penguins are a weird one, but it's kind of that whole. It's also one of those things where when I was thinking about this list, it came to my mind, and I don't know why it came to my mind. And I went, oh, yeah. Sod it. I like that. You know when you don't have to justify something? Hmm. And you go, well, it's my blinking list. Uh, when you see a penguin, you say that it's something that you've kind of explored with your boyfriend. Did they remind you of him as well? Just your relationship or is it just the penguins? Do penguins... No. It's just... I've learned a lot about penguins. We've learned a lot about penguins together, just yeah. naturally. Like, you learn about anything, right? Um, yeah, I've seen them a lot. And... But it's not really something I've... It doesn't remind me of exploring someone else or something. It's just something I've explored, I've learned about. I just happened to learn about it with someone. Okay. Um, and I probably wouldn't have done without that person. Hmm. Because that dream might never have happened unless we were in that original uh, situation to start with. Brilliant. Well, shall we round this all off? Shall we go through all of your items once more? 
So item one, radio with a tape recorder or cassette recorder. Item two, my car or any car I own at the time I'm talking. Item three, Cornwall, the whole of Cornwall. <laughs> Item four, my phone. And I wrote phone question mark because I wasn't too sure whether I wanted it to be my phone or not. But it just came to my mind. And item number five, penguins, especially Cecil. Rest in peace. What goes through your mind when you read all that back? That I'm bloody mad. And, uh... <laughs> no, that I'm just a bit weird, but I like being weird. And in a weird way where I like being who I am and I don't care what anyone thinks. And there's also, like, I think it also helps where you go. So you have done so many interesting things in life. You've been to countless five-star hotels. You've been to nice holidays, New York, all of these places. Yet I'm more obsessed with penguins and Cornwall. Because nice places are cool and 100%. At that time, in that five-star hotel, I love life. Do I care about it in a week's time? No. Do I care about thinking about what penguins are doing or, or driving my car or thinking back to how I did radio before I even knew radio would be my entire career and life? Yes. Pete, thank you so much for your time. Where do I send me invoice? <laughs> And there we have it, the mental health shelf of Pete Helmore. I won't lie, the conversation about watching lorries reversing was initially quite a bit longer. Maybe something for a bonus podcast somewhere down the line. But also I think his items really show that the mental health shelf is is far from a normal shelf. It's not something that you can really buy in Ikea. The entirety of Cornwall and a car being fit on it... The mental health warehouse doesn't quite roll off the tongue, though, as much as the mental health shelf, if that does roll off the tongue. Anyway, regardless, it's interesting to hear the things that he picked, and particularly towards the end, the way that he talked about, you know, there are all these things, these little luxuries and treats that do make me happy, but those are very much in that moment. These are the things that stay in my mind and that I continue to be thankful for long after. And that was interesting to hear, particularly after the way that he spoke about a number of the items or some of the asides that there were throughout the uh, conversation. But still interesting to hear his mental health shelf indeed. If you want to find more from Pete, I will link his Twitter in the podcast description, wherever that may be, wherever you're listening. And for once, before I go on for too long, I'll wrap it up here. Thank you very, very much for listening. It's very much appreciated. Thank you to Pete for joining me. And I'll be back next month with another guest, another set of items and another mental health shelf.